you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. morning. Doing all right? You all right, Trey? Okay. It's called an elliptical. I'm working out. I like food. How about you? Do you? I wish I could just have the cameras right here and show everybody your face. You're like, what in the world? Is that allowed? Is that is elliptical even in the Bible? I got a question for you. And, and before, you, before you answer it, I just want you to think about it for just a second. How many of us, now sit with it for a second. How many of us believe in the power of prayer like the prayer thing, it works like, like there's power in prayer, but we don't pray as much as we should. Uh-huh. How many of us have been like, okay, I know prayer's effective. I know you should do it. Like my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa, I've been to church. I know, I know, I know it's effective, but it just doesn't feel like it works out good for me. Can I see your hand? How many people didn't come ready to tell the truth this morning? If you're at all like me, the whole Christian experience can feel really stuck. Don't get me wrong, there's lots of activity. I mean, you got up this morning, heart rate's getting up a little bit. You're moving, look at me. Maybe you served somewhere, you gave some money somewhere. I mean, it's not like you're just sitting on your blessed assurance. You're involved, you're engaged, you're doing stuff for God. But not a lot changes, does it? I haven't gone anywhere. I'm stuck. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Now, I'm busy, don't get me wrong. In just a minute, I'll start sweating. My heart rate getting up a little bit. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. We're active. But sometimes it just feels like our Christian experience, it's stuck. Not a lot changes. Things look real familiar. You know, that's not just a 2022 thing. In the Bible, check it out in the big Bible on the screen, in Mark chapter 9, there's a story. The disciples, right, they're being trained by Jesus. They've seen the miracles. They had the whole, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They're all in. And now they're in a place where they're going to step up and make a difference. Jesus is away. 
I'm catching my breath. This following this, Christi- this Christianity thing, I mean, it, it takes your breath away. I mean, it's a lie. You're, you're working at it. And so in this town, there's a boy who's demon-possessed. It's causing problems at home. Mom is sad. Dad is frustrated. The neighbors are mad. And so they call on the disciples. Hey, yo, come here. Remember how Jesus cast out that, disciple, that, that demon from that other boy? We need you to do the same thing here. And so they get busy trying. And nothing's changing. Sound familiar? Read more. Do less bad things. Do more good things. Volunteer. Give money. Doing all kinds of activity. But not a lot changes. And it becomes very like just stuck in the mud the disciples are frustrated nothing's changing the family's frustrated the religious leaders are now criticizing and then Jesus comes and they're like Jesus we've been trying we've been trying to behave better we've been trying to do all the things dot our Christian I's and cross our religious T's But nothing's changing. And then Jesus says these words. There are some things. There are some things in our life that only get changed by prayer and fasting. There are are some moments that the only way that things change is in this special place called prayer and fasting. And I don't think that that's new. I think you knew that already. You didn't, you didn't need to get up on a Sunday and come hear me say that. So a really fair question to all of us is, why don't we? Why don't we get off the proverbial elliptical, the treadmill of Christianity, and step into a space where we really feel like our prayers are effective? We really feel like, like we talk to God. I think sometimes it's, it's, it's just a focus thing. I, I know that's my, I remember <laughs> I was in, um, I was in Bible college, right? And they're teaching us and I'm learning about to pray and all that kind of stuff. And I, I remember like, okay, you're supposed to get on your knees and pray, right? And so I would be trying to focus on prayer and it's just amazing. The moment I begin to focus on praying, all the other things that are on my calendar to-do list begin to pop in my mind. I got to go do this, and I didn't do that, and I'm going to do this, and how about this and that? And then, then, like, I'm praying, and I would even have a list of all the people I'm praying for and all the things in my life, and I'd be praying, and, like, God's really important to me, and I'd be praying, and I'd be praying. I'd wake up about 20 minutes later, big old pile of drool right there, man. I was out. I mean, sound asleep. And, and, and other times, I just got bored. And don't look at me like that. I'm not talking to religious people today. You know exactly. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. I'm having this one-way conversation. I'm talking to God up there. Oh, my goodness. I'm just bored. I got to go do something else, right? I think sometimes, right, it's not just the focus. I think sometimes it's, it's confidence. We really don't have the confidence, right, that, that 
we're, we really can, we know what's the right words to say. We can be even intimidated. Like, have you ever been around somebody, maybe they're in your family, and they're like a professional prayer? Like, they could get sponsored. You know, prayer.com, you know, sponsor, sponsor them. I mean, they, Gene, I mean, it just seems like they know how to pray, and, and they, they pray Bible verses, like from Lamentations, and you're like, Lamentations, is that even a book in the Bible? Like, what's going on? And they're like, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nise, uh, and you're like, Jehovah Nisan Maxima, right? I mean, it's like, Wow, I mean, you're just like the sense of, of confidence. You're like, I'm just a junior high kid, and I don't, what am I supposed to do? I, I think also sometimes we just uh, get to a place where we're, we don't have the faith to pray. It's like, I mean, I know we're supposed to, but like, I've tried that, Mark. You know what I'm talking about. You prayed for somebody who was sick, and God didn't heal them, did he? They died. I guess my prayers were wrong. I, I, I have this, this temptation. I have this habit that I've been trying to break in my life, and I still struggle with it. Again, in Bible college, <laughs> this evangelist came, right? And he's telling us, okay, now, when the devil's tempting you, you just gotta, you gotta remove him from your presence. Well, duh. I get it, right? And so he tells us this story, right? That he was driving down the road and all kinds of temptation starts coming in his mind while he's driving. And like the devil's in the car with him. So he pulls the car over to the side of the road. He opens up the pass. It's just him in the car. He opens up the passenger's door and he says, devil, get the hell out of my car. Closes the door and goes on his way. Man, I heard that. I'm like 20-something. I'm like, heck yeah. I'm driving down the road one day, and I'm having all kind of tempting thoughts and, you know, the kind of stuff that's going on. Oh, I'm going to do that evangelist. Did. I pulled my car over. I opened up the passenger's door. I said, devil, get the hell out of my car. Shut the door. Started going down the road. And all them temptations came back, and the devil said, listen, you forgot to lock the back door. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, there's a tension in this thing called, called, called prayer. Now, here's some good news. On the big Bible, on the screen, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Jesus comes and always gives us a remedy. He says, don't be anxious about anything. That's hard. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So some of us, right, we lack that focus. So he says, listen, don't be anxious. Don't be all Don't be all declared. In every situation, lean in and pray. Those of us who have a lack of confidence, he says, present your request to God. God invites you and I into his presence. He's anticipating. He wants us to knock on his door. He has the proverbial open door policy. And then to those of us who lack faith, it says, and then the peace of God. There's the promise, which transcends all understanding. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But the promise, I can have confidence and I can have this sense of faith. See, Jesus had this tendency in his life to prioritize the presence of prayer. 
I mean, when everything was cutting loose around him, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right, and the rumors are all working against him, when, when his own family is, like, criticizing, when the disciples are absent, when the Romans are leaning in to arrest him and all the false accusations, Jesus makes this constant presence of prayer a priority. See, here's the deal. Check it out. Prayer wasn't just something that Jesus did. Prayer wasn't just an activity that Jesus did. Prayer is the way that Jesus lived. It's a huge difference. I think for some of us, the reason prayer can seem so distant, the reason we can feel so fatigued is because we think it's an activity. Okay, it's time to work out. Now it's time to pray. It's time to do my quiet time. It's time to do my devotions. We see it as an activity rather than seeing it as a way of life. And all the time, Jesus is he's practicing this time of prayer, right? Pressure comes on. He gets in the middle of the boat. He goes out in the middle of the sea, and he's praying. Pressure comes on, he, he gets out into the mountainside and he seeks the heavenly father. And the pressure is for real in our life. Too often as Christians, right, we, we, we play this facade, this game, that somehow it's not quite so bad. I don't know about you, I, I, I need his presence. It, it's crazy. I, I, I mean, the chaos and the brutality and the evil. I, I, I know we're sitting here in North America and your life is just fine. I mean, our big problems are is gasoline's gone up a little bit. We watched a video, and for many of us, it's kind of like, you know, we just get numbed to things that are happening. But imagine right now your home that you own, that you paid for, you have to leave it behind. Your bank account's gone. There are no banks. You're fleeing. And oh, by the way, you understand that if you're a man, it's against the law to leave the Ukraine. So women... You've left your sons, you've left your husbands, you've left your uncles, your cousins, your nephews behind. I'm just telling you the presence, I need the presence. Prayer is not an action that we do. Prayer is the way in which we live. Now, before we go forward, we definitely have to know what prayer is not because a lot of us think that prayer is like this formal activity. It's a three-piece suit. I beseech thee there, my Father of the great universe and the glorious of all the galaxies. We've got to have a, a robe or a collar or somehow we have to have some kind of formal structure we think somehow it's, it's giving God this, this list, right? He's like the proverbial um, uh, cosmic Coke vending machine. And here's my list. I need you to do this and do that and do this. Or we think it's about impressing people, right? We, we say words and it sounds like we're really in tune. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not an activity that you and I do. Prayer is a way in which you and I live. It's this moment in time where we disconnect from what's not going to last forever. Most of what you and I do in our everyday lives, your job will not last forever. Your car does not last forever, right? Your health does not last forever. All the things that we spent so much time in it. Hey, some of your NCAA brackets didn't last but one game, right? You get it. Things don't last forever. We pull apart from what doesn't last forever to connect with the one 
that does. That's what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 1, the Bible says, and I know to people who aren't warning people, this can, this can agitate you, but it says this. It was early in the morning that Jesus departed and he prayed. Now, you, you can pray at noon, you can pray at nighttime, whatever, but here's the deal. is he departed, he pulled up, he got away so that he could have a sense of awareness anywhere, anytime that it's him and God. Here, check this out. Matthew chapter 6, the words of Jesus. Listen to this. Here's what I want you to do. Jesus is speaking. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. Now, notice up on this screen all these different places when Jesus prayed, right? At his baptism, while speaking to Jewish leaders, before walking, I'm not going to go through the entire list. I'll have this in the weekend recap. But this, this long list, right? While dying on the cross, he cries out. In his dying breath, Jesus prayed, right? Jesus is always seeking the presence. He understands that it's not an activity that we do. It's the way that we live. It's not some formal prayer. It's not all kinds of, uh, of, of, of words. It's you and God in a conversation. That's why he says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. Jesus always found a place. Where's your place? In your house, maybe it's a chair, maybe it's the backyard, right? Have a, have a place. I, this is my place, unlike any other place. Notice, so you won't be tempted to role play before God. What's so tempted about the version of Christianity that's in the West is this idea of role play. As long as I'm busy about religious things, then I must be doing what God wants me to do. Let me tell you something. Activity isn't necessarily accomplishment. I can, I can spend all kinds of time. I can burn calories on this elliptical, but I'm not going anywhere. See, this is the difference between Christianity and Christ following. Christianity is a noun. It's just a declarative statement of something that is. Following Christ is action-orientated. It doesn't allow you to just sit and soak. It leads you in a direction that at some point there'll be some spiritual sweat. There's a better way to live. We don't have to be stuck. One of the best illustrations I could try to show you about what is stuck is when you watch the evening news and the frustration that you have in the country in which you live that claims to be a Christian country that's far from God. How did we get here? It's not because of liberals. It's not because of AOC. They've never been a part of God. We are in the condition that we're in is because as Christ followers, we thought as long as we went to church and created men's softball league, 
And as long as we pulled out from all those terrible public schools, and as long as we just decided we'll isolate and insulate ourselves from the whole world, we forgot that God called us to a better way, to be light and to be salt, to impact the darkness. We shouldn't be surprised that there's darkness. We pulled the light away from the darkness. Please, don't get your undies in a bunch about transgender swimmers and everything else that you tweet and text about. It's time as a Christ follower that you wake up and understand people who don't know Jesus don't live like Jesus. We who know Jesus are called to step out into the world and live in a vibrant, passionate way that the Jesus way is the best way to live. It's time we get off this elliptical, this static activity and step into this incredible journey of following Jesus, following a God who we cannot control out into a world that's out of control. It's time we step into the space, instead of being against people because of their behavior, we understand we're for all people regardless of their behavior because God is for all people. God wants every man and every woman, regardless of how they act, regardless of what they vote, all these things, we are called to step out and to display there is a better way. And Jesus understood that this better way is found when we find a quiet place where we're no longer tempted to role play. Where we're no longer tempted to role play. Go through the motions before God. Just be there and simply and honestly as you can. Then the transformation begins to happen. Then your thoughts begin to move from you to God. Your actions, you to God. Your activity, you to God. Your attitude, you to God. Everything begins to change in this space. Anybody here born before 1970? Anybody? Okay, some of you aren't. And what I'm about to show you, you have no idea, you have no understanding. But you know, for most of us in the Christian world, we have a, we have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives. You know what I'm talking about? This is my professional life. This is my personal life. This is my hobbies, right? Sort of like TV dinners. I didn't even realize it's still a thing. You can still buy TV dinners. But some of us, right, we grew up with, TV dinners and happy days and Laverne and Shirley and Three's Company. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And TV dinners and everything's compartmentalized, right? And you got your Mr. Meat. Who knows? They say it's turkey or chicken. Nobody really knows. And I'm not quite sure about the spaghetti sauce or maybe that's something the dog got into and made him sick and threw up and they put it. I, I don't know. All I know is these TV dinners, <laughs> I'm shocked that Dr. Fauci still allows TV dinners in, in, in the world, right? But he, he, here, here, watch, watch. We want to compartmentalize. And it's like, okay, we're giving Jesus the Sunday morning gig, but in my business transaction, that's me. Or when I'm on my high school campus with my friends, that's me. Or Friday night, or in my dormitory, or we want to compartmentalize where the invitation to follow Jesus is an all-in invitation. And the pressures, right, that you and I feel, the problems that you and I are having, just like the first disciples, 
The solution is you and I leaning in and having an ongoing conversation with God in prayer. Prayer is not an action, an activity that we do. Rather, it is the way that we live. And I get it. The tension is for real. There's a Bible verse that you might want to memorize. It's, it's short. It's easy for us. First Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says, is, is, is never stop praying. And I remember when I first read that and even heard someone teach about it, I was, I was intimidated. I mean, how do you live and never stop praying, right? Pray without ceasing. Um, you ought never stop praying. I mean, whatever Bible version you read it in, it, it says the same thing. And then I would feel guilty, like, oh, my goodness. Man, I'm not praying enough, and I'm not doing this, and I need to do more of this and whatever. And, and that, I understand the tension is for real. But prayer is not an activity. It's not an action that we do. It's how we live day in and day out. We invite his mercy and we invite his grace and we invite his power and we invite his promise and his presence. Check out 1 John chapter 5 on the big screen. This is the confidence. This is what we all want. This is what we all need. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears you. Not, not just the person who you think's got the right prayer language and all that. No, he hears you. He hears me. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. It's rooting this in the relationship that we've got with him. And so what I'd like to do is, 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 is to help us. Because I'm telling you, the hardest thing I do is prayer. I told you, I fall asleep, I drool, I get bored. It's real easy to get on the activity of Christianity and just stay real busy, but never go anywhere. It's time for you and I to step off of the elliptical. It's time for you and I to step into a vibrant, personal, experiential relationship. That's not just for those guys or them. It's for us. So here's a couple tools that have certainly helped me along the way. I introduced this prayer guide to you back during the pandemic. I, I, I want to encourage you. You can take a picture or tomorrow morning I'll be sending it out on our weekend recap. But it's just a tool, the way I outline to pray, where I'll, I'll put my hands up and surrender. We, we praise and worship. And I'm putting my hands up like this. So to me, it's the picture of my two daughters, Ellie and Katie, when they were small at my knee side and they put their hands like this and it was like daddy pick me up that's what I do a little bit after communion comes up and we sing and I'll lift my hands I'm, I'm saying to my heavenly father I need you to pick me up in this world secondly is my hands are, are open I'm, I choose in a close fist world, I choose to live with my hands open. I'm going to be four people. I'm going to be four people who look differently, act differently, uh, vote differently, identify differently. I want, to be, I want to be free. I want to show what it looks like to be free in Christ from the hurts and the hangups and habits so that men and women can see, that they can taste and see that the Lord is. This, is, this just helps me. It's a, just a guide. And then I put my hands forward. It reminds me that there's a big world out there. It's real easy to think my whole world just centers here in Ocala in Central Florida, that there are needs. It's a guide. It's a tool. 
You don't have to use this tool. You can use whatever tool. Some back in the day, anybody remember the old uh, prayer uh, acronym ACTS? ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration. God, you're great. You just adore him. C, confession. God, forgive me. I've done this. Da, 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 da. T, thanksgiving. I'm thankful. And then finally, S, supplication. Not a word we use much today, but now you're praying for, for other people. It is simply a tool to help us get off the elliptical of busy activity and step into a vibrant personal relationship with him. And then let me give, just give you one more thing, and then we're going to lean into communion. And you can see it here on the, on the back screen. And just go ahead and put all the whole outline for fast up there for me, if you would, everybody. So this word fast, we're about to enter a season, and I'm going to encourage us at different times to fast. This is not a diet plan. It's not trying to lose weight. This is you and I realizing, I want to stop this activity, whether or not it's food or it's a hobby or it's entertainment. I'm going to pause from doing this. doesn't mean that this is bad, the food, the hobby, the activity, the entertainment. I'm just going to pause this so that I can become focused on who God is. I can be aware of what God wants. I can be satisfied in who God is. Uh, how God leads, and it gives me time to align with him. And so we're going to walk through some fasts. Maybe it'll be food for you. Maybe it'll be something else. We're going to start, believe it or not, we're only four weeks away from Easter. So starting next Sunday, we're going to go on a 20-day journey together. And it'll be a discipleship process. I'll be equipping. I'll send out to you uh, different videos, uh, some print information to really help us understand this whole journey as we, as we go forward. We know what God wants. God wants all people to discover hope in Jesus. That's why, hear me, it's so devastating when you and I get so angry and we get so accusatory and we allow social media to stir us up and we speak against whatever the thing is, we're missing out that God is for all people. I don't think you believe that. I know you don't believe it by the way you're looking at me. Do you understand? And just hear me, I'm, I'm loving everybody. Do you realize how narcissistic it is to think that God is for you and your sentences, but not for her and her sentences and him and his sentences. Do you understand how much like a Pharisee you are acting? All I know is this. I am like the worst sinner. I know what's going on in my mind. I know how I am tinted, how I have lust, all kinds of crazy... If that's too real for you, I'm sorry. Not so much. Stop playing the role. Start leaning in and having a relationship with God. God wants everybody. He wants everybody. I'm praying. Listen, every time I pray for the Ukraine, I'm praying for Putin as well. Every time I see all the stuff that's happening in the sports world right now and however you think, whatever, I, I'm praying for every, I want everybody to meet Jesus. Because I know when he died on that cross and he paid the penalty for my sin, it was for everybody's sin. That's why we're having Easter. It's the celebration, unlike any other celebration. Every other religious leader is dead. You can go visit his or her tomb, except for Jesus. It's empty. 
and we're going to partake. But here's what I know, is to get to the party, we've got to go through the darkness of what he did for us. And so that's why on Good Friday, Corbin and the team is going to lead us in a, a night of, of worship where we own our role. We own the responsibilities. Fast fact. If you've watched The Passion of the Christ, when Mel Gibson was interviewed, when the camera shoots to the Roman soldier nailing in the nails to Jesus, Mel Gibson, the producer and the director of the film, he has no role as an actor in the film except for when you watch that Roman soldier hold that nail and nail it into Jesus, that is Mel Gibson's hands. He told the reporter, I wanted to feel the weight of my responsibility and my sin that caused Jesus to be nailed to the cross. See, the reason some of us have a hard time celebrate on Sunday is we haven't walked through the darkness of Friday. So we're going to do that. Mark it on your calendar. We've never done it before. On this campus, praise and worship and, and communion. God's got a good plan. He's up to something good. And if you're not really sure what that plan is, listen, stay with me. I'm going to teach in 35 minutes over in the student centers, the, the, the growth track. This is not to get you to do more church stuff. This is to get you to step out into the world and to be who God created you to be. And hear me, most importantly, in the moment when we share communion together, the ultimate, the ultimate decision that anybody ever makes is not where they're going to go to college, not the career path they have, not who they're going to marry, not which side of town they're going to live on, not whether or not they're going to invest in Bitcoin or not Bitcoin, all the things that we think are so important, the most important decision a man or woman can ever make is to decide you can't save yourself. That's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus hung on this old rugged cross. He was nailed to that cross because he wanted the world to see his arms stretched out in declaration of love. But he didn't stay on that cross. They took him off that cross and they buried him in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he came back from the dead. And I want you to know, you and I can come back from anything because Jesus came back from the dead. And I'd like to invite you to make a decision right here today. Right where you're sitting, joining me online, wherever you might be. Have this conversation. Hey, God, it's me. And today, I choose you as my Savior. I can't fix me. I'm done trying. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. And that prayer, that prayer changed me in Okinawa, Japan. That prayer on this day in March will change you. Love to help you grow in the decision you made. You can use the Connect card at your chair or just stop by guest services or just use the, your phone and just text the word TODAY to 635-66.